All right, welcome back to the show. Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, let's start with this um, the, the story that's leading our newscast at this hour, and that is Shocking. the discovery of a more uh, grave sites at a former residential school, this time in Saskatchewan. And, you know, people were shocked by the number in Kamloops of 215. Mm-hmm. Now you've got a number that's uh, more than triple that. Uh, so, or around triple well, that, you know, it was, over 700. It, when that, those were discovered in Kamloops, it was said, First Nations leaders pointed out, that was just the beginning of discoveries. There was yeah. going to be more graves discovered. I don't think anyone really thought 751 um, graves would be discovered in one site. That's absolutely shocking. It shouldn't be shocking. Anyone familiar with the residential school history has to be prepared for other um, shocking events to develop on this on this file, but what's happened in Saskatchewan, I think, is is quite extraordinary. Okay, well, let's listen to a clip here of uh, the First Nation, the Cowessis uh, Kau- uh, First Nations Chief Cadmus Delorme in Saskatchewan. Here, we started our radar penetrating research on June the second. As of yesterday, we have hit. 751 unmarked graves. This is not a mass grave site. These are unmarked graves. Okay, it's a shocking number, as, as you said. And as you pointed out earlier, I mean, uh, Murray Sinclair, uh, the former senator who headed up the mm-hmm. Truth and Reconciliation Commission, a very respected Indigenous leader and a former judge, he said this just a few weeks ago. He said, get ready for more. That's right. So, uh, and this could not be, this probably not the end of it. There could be, there could no, be. No, and it's, uh, it's interesting. The public now, I think, is getting its head around the, uh, Indigenous issues like never before. There's been a number of opinion polls. Um, I think Innovative Research, I believe Abacus, and one other sh- uh, uh, documented how uh, public concern about Indigenous uh, issues are, is rising. It's rising as a, as a top, uh, top of mind issue. And it'll be interesting to see if, you know, we've got a, potentially an upcoming election coming in the fall. I still think there's going to be one. I think you agree. Whether or not um, this transforms into a, a campaign issue, we'll, we'll see. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure it will, but I think it's certainly in a situation like we've never had before. What kind of challenge do you think this presents for the Trudeau government right now or any federal government? Because the Trudeau government in the aftermath of Kamloops had put some money on the table for further investigations, and a lot of people said it was inadequate. I mean, when you look at the potential scale of this thing with more than 130 residential school sites that might have to be searched, I mean, you're talking about a, a, you know, a big commitment here on high-tech uh, investigations mm-hmm. and then repatriation of remains and lots more research. And I mean, this thing is well, huge. It's interesting. Um, both Justin Trudeau and Premier John Horgan in BC have made the point that First Nations have to lead the way on this. This is not something that government can dictate to First Nations. First Nations has to have to be the ones to figure out what they want to do on this. Uh, the federal government, though, and provincial government has a role to play in funding, and I think that's where the pressure is going to come on the governments to to spend the money that's needed to investigate this and get to the bottom of it. But it has to be First Nations leading this. Yeah. Okay. We can you hit up all of this one uh, very closely. All right, speaking of uh, potential for a fall election, and I think that's where we're heading, I spoke to Peter Julian this morning, who is the federal NDP House leader, and he's they're getting ready, buckling their seatbelts for a fall election. You know, Of course, they continue to say, don't call an election. We don't want an election right now, but I think they're going to get one anyway. Let me ask you about uh, the relationship between the NDP and big labor, so traditional allies, Right. And I thought it was interesting to see the Trudeau liberals as we Justin Trudeau this week uh, appointed Hassan Youssef 
to the Senate. This is the former president of the Canadian Labor Congress. And there were people in the NDP who were predicting that this was going to happen a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. because they detected that this guy was getting cozy with the Liberals. Let me play this here for you. Now, this is Hassan Youssef, the former president of the Canadian Labor Congress or the top labor leader in the country. And here he was a a while ago endorsing Bill Morneau, the former liberal finance minister, to be the head of the OECD. Have a listen to this. Hello, I'm Hassan Youssef. I'm the president of the Canadian Labor Congress. Effective leadership of the global economy is critical, especially in this critical moment of COVID. I have known Bill Morneau as an effective private sector leader and I've known him during his tenure as Canada Finance Minister. I'm honored and pleased to support his candidates for the next OECD General Secretary. Thank you so much. Okay, so a lot of people in the NDP were furious at this guy, this labor leader, well, going out and they're endorsing a liberal finance minister for this post. Not the, not the first labor leader to endorse someone other than the NDP, but this is a pretty high-profile one. But it also speaks, the CLC is not the CLC of 10 or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Uh, organized labor has uh, peaked some time ago. Inter- unionization rates are going down, except in the public sector. Private sector union uh, rates have, have been declining for years. So the, the power of the union organized labor is a shadow of its former self. And you're seeing that in BC as well. The BC Federation of, Federation of Labor is not as powerful as it was in the 80s, for example, or the 90s. It's a different world now. The gig economy is is um, having a huge impact. And so the NDP, I think you're seeing it in BC, has sort of moved on from some of its close ties with organized labor. And I just think you're seeing federally what's playing out there is was inevitable. But okay. it's an inter- interesting Senate appointment, though. Oh, okay, yeah. For <laughs> A lot of NDPers were, were furious at that, saying they knew. They knew this guy was going to go to the Senate. He'd be cozying up to Trudeau. Um, it's interesting, though, that you, know, you see the decline in power and clout of, of organized labor. Mm-hmm. Yet, despite that, in B.C., you've got an NDP government that seems to be firmly in, in control here and ahead in the polls. Ahead in the polls, uh, hasn't done really, I mean, it's, it's, uh, changed the Employment Standards Act, you know, for, uh, things like sick pay, for example, but it hasn't really, uh, brought in radically new uh, labor laws, and no one expected them to. And, and again, you've got the Community Benefits Agreement for, uh, for construction projects, which is, you know, controversial in that particular sector, but not, not, I don't think. So. That's the one where they, they have to uh, bring in affiliated, uh, construction yeah. unions on these public yeah, projects. Yeah, and again, it's, uh, similar to what they had in the 1990s. But it's not, you don't see the NDP tied, I think, to organized labor in the way that you saw it back in the 70s and 80s. Okay, we're going to talk later on the show today about the potential for the city of Vancouver to get a major league baseball franchise. Is this just a dream or is this even reality? I know you're a big baseball fan. Let me play this here yeah. for you. I think you'll enjoy this. Have a listen to this. That voice just now, what was it? We didn't hear anything. What is this? Uh, if you build it, he will come. Oh, okay. That was, uh, what, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> That's if you build it, they will come. Oh, field of dreams. Field okay. of dreams. Okay, so okay. if you build... Okay, here's my point. If you build a new baseball stadium in Vancouver, could we get a could could we get a major league baseball team in Vancouver? What do you think? Well, you'd have pressure uh, to say no from uh, the Mariners, from the Dodgers. This was floated. I remember Ray Perot, Senator Ray Perot, floated this idea and really tried to lead a charge back in mid '80s to get a baseball team. And I remember actually, as a Vancouver Sun reporter, getting through to the California governor at the time. 
forget his name, um, where he said basically, no, we've got, we want to protect our California teams. We don't need another West Coast team. There would have to be money paid to, I think, uh, just like why Hamilton doesn't have an NHL team. The Maple Leafs want no part of that. They'd want compensation. I think you'd see West Coast teams want compensation. But who's going to build a stadium? You know, this uh, is somebody a lot of money. Well, that was Jimmy Patterson. Doesn't he got like eight, nine billion? I don't know if Jimmy's a big baseball player. I, I, I know Glenn Clark is right hand man, so more of a football guy. Um, but uh, it, it remains a field of dreams. Uh, and you don't maybe, think it'll, you don't think it'll happen. You don't think I don't think it will, but uh, right. I hope it would. I'd love to go to some major league games. But again, we, it's not going to be in BC Place. Okay, real quickly, and then we'll take some calls. What's going on with the vaccines and the second dose? If you're getting a second dose today, you're going to get, even if you get a first dose today, you're probably going to get Moderna. There's nothing wrong with that, but some people, the vast majority of people, 73% got Pfizer uh, as their first dose. Uh, 18% got Moderna. But now we've got almost half a million Moderna doses. As of yesterday, we had 26,000 Pfizer doses. There's about 50,000, 60,000 people a day going through this queue to get the needle in their arm for first or second shot, almost all second shots, and uh, you're going to get Moderna. There's nothing wrong with that, but some, as, you, as we've seen on the call-ins all yeah. week, um, Brian in Surrey didn't want uh, Moderna because he had Pfizer first time around. I advice again, don't overthink this. These are public uh, experts who come up with this advice as you can mix and match with no no downside, but it's going to be interesting to see what the take-up is today and tomorrow. All right, Keith Baldry is my guest. Baldry's beat. Lots of phone calls here. Let's go to Diane in New West. Hi, Diane. Hi, Diane. I'm calling to ask Keith. I have a grandson. He's 12 years old. He's going for his first vaccination tomorrow. Will they be administering Pfizer, or have they got a new recommendation in what they will be giving these young people? Yeah, so young people have not been cleared to get Moderna yet. That is, uh, that's expected to happen. Uh, but right now, the the Pfizer that's remaining is being reserved for for target audience, which is the the teen, the 12 to 7, uh, 12 to 18 crowd. Uh, who have been cleared for Pfizer, but if if he it goes in tomorrow, uh, if there is Pfizer at that clinic, he will get Pfizer. He will not get Moderna uh, or AstraZeneca. Yeah, because that. the Pfizer is the only one that's approved. It's the only one that's approved. And, and if they don't have Pfizer, uh, you may have to reschedule that appointment. Okay, good luck with that, now, Diane. Uh, keep yeah. in mind, we're expecting 328,000 doses of Pfizer. It may have arrived last night. I haven't checked with uh, Health yet. Uh, maybe it arrives this morning, but it takes some time to distribute it as well. Jennifer and Swasson, hi. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to say, Mike, that my uh, first vaccine was Pfizer, and uh, yesterday I got my second, and the only one on the menu was Moderna, so Mm -hmm. I took it. And, uh, you know, I have today, I have the same sore arm, and that's it. So don't hesitate, just get the job. Good. Great. Thank you. It's good. Great to, advice. It's good to hear that. I've talked to lots of people who've had a, a pretty rough time of it uh, after getting the second dose, um, mm-hmm. being like down sick for a day or two. Yep. Right. I've had some coworkers uh, call in sick day after uh, yeah. getting the second dose, but it doesn't mean you're it doesn't mean you're unprotected. You know, this is the consequence it, it, it sometimes of getting a vaccine. It shows the vaccine's working. Actually, yeah, the immune it? system is working. Um, so it's interesting. I, I think there was one report that 30% of people uh, who get the second dose get some sort of um, illness afterwards. It's usually very short-lasting. Yeah, like a day or two. Yeah. So, Jennifer, you just got a sore arm. I think that's actually that's pretty great. good. Let's go to Pat in Vancouver. Hi, Pat. Hi, guys. So, you know, to this day, we tracked down Nazis from the Holocaust and, and put them on trial, even though they're in their 80s and 90s. So if you want the government to do something about the residential school situation... I'd start uh, by putting together a special force of the RCMP and track down these nuns and priests who committed these horrible crimes 
because it should be really, really easy to find them. I mean, we know their names, we know where they work, we know what the situation is. Nobody's talking about putting people in jail for the crimes that have been committed. They, they keep talking about everything else, but, but actually doing something that will bring some, uh, some comfort to people. Okay, Pat, thank you for that. Well, there has been talk about the RCMP getting involved. Yeah. I believe the RCMP were contacted in Kamloops. Well, so. this school in Saskatchewan was operating as uh, late as 1999. So this is not, we're not talking about, you know, the 1920s here necessarily. This, this, uh, that school operated from 1899 till 1997, I think. Yeah. So uh, relatively recent. Uh, it would be interesting to see RCMP take an active role in this. You know, the cause of death here is something that could be difficult to determine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Murray Sinclair, the head of the former head of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, in some of his recent comments was talking about they heard lots of testimony about kids who were abused, uh, um, and maybe even killed. But he said a, a lot of people, a lot of kids died at these schools from disease. Yeah, tuberculosis so, was a very common uh, illness. But again, it's it's the pressure's on the go- going to be on the government to really do not walk away from this. There has they to be. They can't. Some I don't think. No. That, uh, let's go to Chris on, in Surrey. Hey, Chris. Hey guys. Hi. Uh, I got my first either in early May when I talked to you earlier, and uh, yesterday yeah. I got my first Moderna. And mm-hmm. uh, when I got my Pfizer, I had nothing, not even a sore arm. But Keith, you already answered my question. What I was going to ask you. I woke up today, I got a massive sore arm, I'm sore in my joints and all over the place, mm-hmm. but I was going to ask you if you've heard anything, but you already asked my question. Yeah, no, it's it's not uncommon, but it's not, it's not uh, you know, um, uh, it's not the, Short-lived. It's not the well, majority of people who are getting an adverse reaction, but there are, there, you know, there are lots of, I know lots of people get uh, a little bit ill after getting that second dose, but yeah. again, it still provides you with protection. Don't shy away from getting the second shot. Yeah, it could, and it typically could last one or maybe two days. Yeah, and uh, again, you're going to get unless Pfizer comes in uh, and, and it's late. It's supposed to be here Monday and Tuesday. Three hundred twenty thousand doses. Maybe it's going to get in today, uh, which means it goes back into the the supply chain. But right now, Moderna, almost a half a million doses are sitting there. Okay, Bob in Nanaimo. Hi, Bob. Hey, good morning, guys. Hi. Go ahead. So I had the I had the Pfizer back in April. I had the Moderna about five days ago. And when I had the Pfizer the first time, uh, they told me, oh, once you're Pfizer, you're Pfizer all the way. And, of course, they changed their tune, as they always do. I think the real uptake out of all this is that government is doing what they need to do to make life convenient for themselves. It really doesn't have anything to do with us. There are no long-term peer-reviewed studies on this stuff, so they're essentially experimenting on us and, I, and i'm not anti-vaxxer i took it i took it because i have to travel i'm going to the u.s next week but um it it really is disturbing to see how quickly and easily they change their tune 